0: Good morning. So, as many of you may know, there is no Christian radio, at least that I know of uh, Christian FM radio, rather in Boston, and we are trying to change that. We are have been in the process of uh, financing and assisting the move of a FM translator from Gloucester to Boston. It involves a series of moves. And uh, I, tomorrow night, am going to be taking that big old new church van and going up to the Calvary Chapel in Fitchburg uh, to pray. And would like all of you who are interested to go up with me, if you're interested in that, you can just let me know or show up at uh, my house at... Uh, 5.15 we're going to be gathering, or you can go right to the Calvary Chapel in uh, Fitchburg. It's Horizon Christian Fellowship in uh, Fitchburg. We're meeting there. We'll be there from 7 to 8.30. You know, the most important work is not drawing up the contracts for these radio stations. It's not finding uh, the space. Uh, We want to be, by the way, on the top of the Hancock Tower. That's where we want the uh, translator uh, but it, it's not its not all the doing, it's the praying. It's the praying beforehand. It's interceding. Uh, and because, you know, there are a lot of folks that don't want a Christian radio station in Boston. If you talk to Pastor George Small, who's head of Calvary Radio in New England, he will tell you stories of just groups out there looking at radio license applications and trying to block them when they find out that they are Christian. And so we know the battle is not against flesh and blood. We know the battle is against, the Bible says, principalities and power of the air and and the way that we are told to battle is in prayer. So I just invite all of you uh, to come up uh, with us tomorrow. We're going to be doing this every few months till that thing is on top of the Hancock Tower beaming out uh, to the Boston metropolitan area. Then we're going to continue praying after that. But uh, if you can't make it with us, please keep this in prayer. It's a big deal. Uh, we think and this particular christian uh, radio station is no commercials none of that nonsense stuff that you hear on some of the christian radio stations this is just the word of god and music 50 about 50% christian music 50% the word of god and so it's just going to it's just going to be a, a an awesome work uh, really looking forward to see what the Lord's going to do there. Okay, we are in Hebrews. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We here at Calvary Chapel, we not only like to hear the Word of God, but see it before us. We're going chapter by chapter uh, through the book of Hebrews. We are in Hebrews chapter 11. Anyone else need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. We have a couple over here. Jose up in the front. Happy to run out of Bibles. It's a good problem to have (laughs) people wanting to see the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11. The Hall of Faith. The instruction manual on faith. Such a huge topic in the Word of God. The topic of faith. Verse 29. Referring to the Israelites, it says, By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Verse 30, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Let's pray. Father, we want to be people of faith. Your Word says that without faith, we cannot please You, Lord. Uh, we're all in agreement here this morning, Lord, that we want to please you. We want to be men and women of faith. We want to know what that means. Show us this morning by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. And actually, as soon as you are seated, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're briefly going to go there this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, that's to the left about uh, six or seven letters, maybe a hundred pages, something like that. Ephesians chapter 2. Very familiar verses, maybe, to some of you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace that You have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship." created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, we see here uh, in these verses a few things which may come as a surprise to many of us. We do not come into this world with an already existing relationship with God. You hear stuff... Sometimes expressions like, well, I was born into the church, or I was born as a Christian. That's not a biblical, those aren't biblical statements. Uh, We don't come into the world with an already existing relationship with God. We're in Boston, so let's get Boston blunt. We are born dead in our relationship with God. Look at verse 4 again. It says, "...but God who is rich in mercy uh, because he, uh, His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses..." That was describing our relationship with God prior to giving our lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, but the Bible uh, does say that through Christ we were brought from death to life. Verse 5 says, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. You know, verse 12 there is a vivid uh, description of who we were before Christ. It says in verse 12 that at that time, meaning before you became a Christian, you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. In a very real sense, prior to giving your life to Christ, you were without God. That's what the Word of God teaches. How are we saved? By grace through faith. This famous verse in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. boast. You know, one awesome thing um, about heaven. We don't have to listen to anyone boasting there. Uh, we don't have to li- sit next to some guy saying, you know, in my lifetime, I led 137 people to Christ. Or, you know, I got rid of every TV I ever owned uh, because I was just so spiritual. Or, you know, I don't know anyone that put as much uh, money in the offering box as I did. We don't have to listen to any of that. Verse 9 says, not of works lest anyone should boast. No one's ever going to be able to get before the Lord. And the Bible does say that we all must give an account before God. No one's ever going to be able to get before the Lord and just say, why are you here? Why is it that you're here? Well, uh, Lord, it was just because there was something special about me. There's something different about me, Lord. In fact, the Bible says there is no difference. All have sinned, Romans 3.23, and fallen short of the glory of God. So, in heaven, there will be... uh, An all-pervasive consciousness. It will be obvious to everyone there that there's only one reason anyone is there and that is the righteousness of the eternal Lamb of God. The Lamb who the Bible says was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ. And what He did on the cross, accomplishing all the work necessary for you and I to go to heaven. And we can't add a single thing to that in this lifetime. We can't add to His work. In heaven, we will be living in an ever-present reality. An ever-all-consuming knowledge that on earth there was nothing we did to deserve heaven. That 100% of the purchase price was paid. By Jesus Christ. That His life were ours. Grace. A great acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's an easy one, right? Remember it. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. So now... Tragically, throughout the world, millions of men and women wake up every morning dead set on trying to work their way into heaven. But it can't be done. In John chapter, uh, in the book of John, uh, some people came to Jesus and they said, What shall we do to do the work God requires? And what did Jesus say? He answered, He said, The work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. He didn't say the work of God is do this, do that, do this, do that, do this. He said the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. Romans 3:28 says a man is justified, justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And of course, verse 2 of Ephesians, uh, verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2 by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of works, verse 9, lest anyone should boast. But Whatever you do, don't stop there. And this is going to be the focus of our message this morning. Verse 10 says, For we are what? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before Him that we should walk in them. So, we are not uh, saved by our good works. We are saved by grace through faith in the work Jesus has done for us. But verse 10 says it doesn't stop there. It, 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 by faith... We are His workmanship. By faith, we do the works. We walk in the works, it says in verse 10, that He has prepared beforehand uh, for us to do. We're His workmanship. What does that mean? It means that once God saves you and brings you into His kingdom, you are under construction. Who's the builder? God is the builder. He wants to build you into a man, into a woman, that abounds in good works. Again, verse 10, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And there can hardly be a more exciting verse in the Bible. Listen, you don't have to live the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life wasting it. Uh, Your life can be jam-packed filled with God-glorifying works. Your life can be filled with works that give honor and praise to the Lord, which bless the heart of Jesus, which bless the lives of those around you and then multiply many times over in ways that you'll never see or probably ever even understand. Works that build up a treasure trove for you in heaven. You don't have to waste your life. You are God's workmanship. He's responsible to make you into a person who is by faith doing these good works in you. God has good works prepared for you. Works prepared beforehand. Meaning, uh, meaning that before He even saved you, before you were born, before anyone on planet Earth uh, knew you would ever exist, God had a specific plan for you and your life, and what your life would become, and and what He wanted to do in and through you. You are His workmanship. Now, you may say, well, this all sounds really hard, doing a work for God. How do I do these works? Again, the answer, by faith. You're saved by faith. You enter into a relationship with God by faith. But listen, that is just the very beginning of a life of faith. If the, if your testimony with God is limited to... Someone asks you, so what? are you a Christian? Tell me about it. Well, if the most you can say is, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you walked the altar and by faith accepted Jesus as your Savior. You got it all wrong. That was just the very, very beginning point of a life of faith, of a faith life. God has, you are God's workmanship. He's prepared, uh, He has created you in Christ Jesus for good works, and all of them are done by faith in God. Now, that's what Hebrews 11 says is all about faith. So, uh, let's go back to Hebrews 11. Again, Hebrews 11 is about men and women doing by faith the good works that God prepared before them beforehand for them to do. And you know, last week we left off with Moses. In verse 24 of chapter 11, it says, "...by faith Moses, when he became of age..." Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward and by faith he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and, prepare, and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And then in verse 29, where we began this morning, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. So Moses, we left off last week talking about him. It says in in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says of Moses, it says the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. Now, how is it that Moses was a friend of God? How did that come about? I want to know. I want to be a friend of God. How is it that Moses was a friend of God? The answer... One reason and one reason alone. Moses was a man of faith. And listen, he didn't become a man of faith overnight. He didn't become a man of faith when he walked the altar, if you will. In fact, there was a time when he was neither a man of faith nor a friend of God. Remember when he was living by himself in the in the desert, exiled from Egypt after killing an Egyptian soldier. God speaks to him from the burning bush. What did Moses do? Well, Exodus chapter 3 verse 6 says that he was afraid and he hid his face from God. He was afraid and he hid his face from God. So, what happened between Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 33, what happened between the time he was afraid and he hid his face from God in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus 33 where it says he's a friend of God and he spoke to God face to face. This is what happened. Every time God spoke, Moses responded. Every time God asked Moses to do something, he obeyed. And it wasn't always easy. In the beginning... Moses protested. What God was asking him to do made no sense to him. God asked him to go back to Egypt. What did he say? But who am I to go back to Egypt? I mean, I'm, my face is on wanted signs all over the country. God asked him to lead the people. But suppose they don't listen to Me. God asked, said to Moses, Go and I will teach you Oh, what you shall say. And he says, but Lord, please send anyone else, not me. And that's actually what it says. Exodus 4.13 he, say, he didn't say send someone else. He said send anyone else. Just open up the Egyptian phone book and go like this. You know, and, you know Mordecai Abe Feinstein or whatever. Choose him, not me. You, you know, And so, what the Lord was asking him to do made no sense to him. And, and often, that is the case with what God does with us. But over time, as Moses, with all the protesting that may he have, may have done in the beginning, he discovered that God is always faithful He's always trustworthy. He always honors His Word. He never makes a mistake. He never fails. He always provides. He always protects. He always works. He became a man of faith, a friend of God, prepared for every good work. But again, only after, by faith, obeying, And seeing the faithfulness of God. By faith, obeying and seeing the faithfulness of God. By faith, obeying and seeing the faith of God over and over again. And he becomes a man of faith, a friend of God, prepared for every good work. And listen, that is where God wants to take every single one of you here this morning. He wants to make you into a woman of faith, a man of faith, a friend of God, prepared for every good work. So verse 27 says of chapter 11 says, "...by faith they, the Israelites, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land." And to fully understand what happened, During that Red Sea crossing, please turn with me back to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, second book of the Bible, way over to the left. Start at the beginning, go in about 60, 70 pages. Exodus chapter 13. So by this point, there had been ten plagues initially prior to the plagues. Moses had gone to Pharaoh, said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, who is your God that I should obey him? Get out of here. Scram, whatever. And so uh, Moses, by the hand of God, chose Pharaoh Ten plagues, and forces his hand. Pharaoh says, okay, get out of here, all of you. And it says in verse 17 uh, of chapter 13, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines. Now, that's important. God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Now, chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Heroeth between Migdal and the sea opposite baal Zephon, You shall camp before it by the sea. Now go to verse 15. So they're by the sea. And in verse 15, what does it say? It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And so what had been happening there? They were camped by the sea. And the uh, Pharaoh all of a sudden realized, What have I done? I just lost my entire labor force. of 1.5 million people. Go get them. army. And the army takes off with 600 chariots. And... The Israelites are by the sea and they see these 600 chariots coming furiously towards them. And the Lord is saying, okay, verse 15, He says, go forward. Tell the children of Israel, go forward. Now, to give you an appreciation of what was going on there, actually, I'm going to put something up on on the screen now if you could just flip the the lights Jose and I want to put something up on the screen for you to see So here is where they here's where they started right here They started right here in the land of Goshen and God told them to go southeast, this way. And remember we read in chapter 13, He said, don't go this way. Don't go, don't go this way because, what did He say? Because the Philistines will meet you here and when they, the children of Israel see the Philistines, they'll go right back. Send them south. And so they go south and they camp right here where the red light is. Or perhaps down there. And that's where the Egyptian army uh, comes to them. And so on the one side, they have the sea. On the other side, they have chariots coming towards them. And so, what's got to be going on in their mind? Why did we go this way? Why not the shortcut this way? Because on one side we got the sea, on the other side we have these really, really mad Egyptians. And, and so, uh, you can flip the lights again. This is so often the case with what, um, with what the Lord does in our life. You can, you can grab that as well. He, he tells us to go away that makes absolutely no sense uh, to us. And, and we're thinking of like the direct w- route and the shortcut and the reason, uh, the, the way that makes uh, the most sense uh, to us. And it, he so often uh, does that. But uh, the sooner we come to realize that we are dumb sheep and that God's view is so much better than our view, we will be much better off. Uh, and, and so, here the Israelites, they got a very limited human understanding. They couldn't understand what, uh, what, God's, uh, what the God-why was and what the God's, God's want was in this situation. They didn't understand uh, what was going on. And, uh, but here's the key. God always will bring us to this place where we can't turn back. And we have to go forward. And He does it not as a discouragement to us, but as an encouragement to us so that we'll come to realize that His Word is always true, He's always trustworthy, and it's worth following Him. The way of the Lord. The way of the Lord. So when the Egyptians, I mean, rather the Israelites, are up against the Red Sea, with the Egyptian army furiously charging uh, towards them on one side, the sea on the other, they didn't know what God wanted to do or how He was going to do it. All they knew was what their fear, their feelings, their confusion, their their unbelief, their own very limited human understanding. And listen. All those things, write them down. Fear, feelings, unbelief, confusion, limited understanding. Those are the things in our life which will frustrate the purposes of God. Our fear, our feelings, our limited understandings often lead us doubting the Word of God. And God bless His... Blessed, holy heart that He brings us to the place where we have the Red Sea in front of us and we have this crazy army chasing in back of us where we have to go forward and see His mighty, mighty hand at work in our life. Faith. Simply taking God at his word and obeying him. In Exodus 14, verse 13, all the Israelites freaking out, what did Moses say? Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. They did, and they passed through the sea on dry ground. And what happened? Their faith was built up, and the Lord. Is more now like a friend. He's more now like a friend. He's less this unknown, scary, kind of cosmic cop kind of guy that they imagined him to be, and he's more of a friend merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, truth, and power. So, so this is how we come to be a friend of God. A friend of God. So, back in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, it says, again, By faith they passed through the Red Sea by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. And so, it's important to understand, with their limited understanding, they could not see two very, very important things. One, if they took the shortcut, they would have seen that Philistine army, the Gaza Strip, same place it is today, they would have seen those Philistines and they would have said, no way, we're just a bunch of slaves, we're not warrior warriors. We're going back to Egypt. They didn't understand their own hearts. Neither do we. We've got to be fearful of the limited understanding of our own hearts and just do what the Lord is telling us. They didn't understand that. But the other thing they, did, they didn't understand, they didn't understand that God wanted to judge Egypt. Remember what we read last week in, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 2? Pharaoh ordered the murder, the slaughter of thousands of young Hebrew boys. The wholesale slaughter of thousands of babies. You can only imagine. That's recorded history. You can imagine what He did that was not recorded. The Bible says God stores up wrath for the day of judgment. He wanted to bury the Egyptian army in the ocean. The Israelites didn't know that. All they knew was life in their own little bubble. And, that, and that's what we're like. You know? The Word of God says one thing. We say we can't do that. Why? Because we have such this self-centered view. Our own, We're living in our own little, little bubble. Little do we know that our life involves the purposes of God that are so much Bigger than we are. The Israelites, there's no way they were going to understand that God wanted them to take that long route because He wanted to judge Egypt. He wanted to bury that Egyptian army, those 600 chariots. He wanted to wipe them out. He's holy. He's a holy God. And there's no way they were going to understand that. Of course, looking back, they could say, wow, that's really cool. The Lord used us for His purposes. And that's what the Lord wants to do with you, and that's what He wants to do with me. So in verse 30 of Hebrews chapter 11, fast forward 40 years, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So, 40 years after passing through the Red Sea, the Israelites had come out of the wilderness after living there for 40 years. They crossed through the River Jordan into the land of promise. What do they see? They see a fortified city, Jericho. The first thing they see in the land of promise, Israel. The land of Israel as we know it today. Wow, this is, what, this is what God promised us? They see this walled city. Now they've done excavation in Jericho. And they have discovered these were some serious walls. These walls were so thick that you could drive two or three chariots on top of the wall. You could drive chariots right on top of the wall. They were 40, 60, up to, in some places, 100 feet tall. And they're sitting there looking at this. It's a closed city. Shut up, the book of Joshua says. And the Lord's telling them to take it. To destroy it. They're just a bunch of sons and daughters of slaves. They don't know anything about warfare. Now remember what we read in Ephesians chapter 2. What does it say? It says, you, we, they are God's workmanship. And that means what? It means you, we, they, the Israelites, are under construction. Who's the builder? God is the building. What is He building? A man, a woman of faith. What is a man, a woman of faith? It's a, a man who has reached the place where he always believes in God's Word, that God's Word is always true, that God's Word is the only way, that God's Word is the only thing on the face of the earth that's utterly, totally trustworthy. But listen, the only way that God is going to get you to that place where you're believing that, that His Word is always trustworthy, is to bring you before God Jerichos, walled cities, fortified cities that you cannot possibly take in the power of your own strength. Situations which are in the natural impossible. And only by bringing you through the impossible will we reach the place where you completely trust in Him and His Word. But again, our problem is what? It's our sin nature. Our sin nature has what? Fears, feelings, unbelief, our very own limited human understanding, which, listen, has been corrupted by sin, corrupted by our own self-centered view of things, corrupted by our rebellion, our independence from God. And, and these things make us recoil. From trusting in God, they make us our fears, our feelings, our limited understanding they, they lead us into disobedience. Remember Hebrews chapter three, verse twelve, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living god now here 's the good news, good news that the Lord uh, he is responsible for building us up for constructing us. And he does us that by bringing us before Jericho's, and he leads us right through the Jericho's, time and time again. So we become men and women not governed by fears, faith, rather fears, feeling, and limited human understanding, but rather men and women governed by God. That's what Israel means: governed by God. Remember Jacob in the Old Testament. His word means deceiver. And then at one point, the Lord says, your name's no longer Jacob. It means Israel. Governed by God. And that's where He wants to take you. Where you're governed by God. So the Israelites... They're before Jericho. They're before this city surrounded by walls 60 feet high, 30 feet uh, thick. What is going on in their hearts as they look at this city? God has told them to take it, to destroy it. What is going on in their minds? Well, I can tell you one thing that's going on. They're probably thinking 40 years before uh, their parents, their are. They're living with their parents. Their parents, remember, had all died in the wilderness uh, before uh, the the Jericho experience. Everyone over 20, except for Joshua and Caleb, the Bible said, died in the wilderness. And so their children have got to be thinking 40 years before, after they had passed through the Red Sea, after uh, they had gone to Mount Sinai, received the Ten Commandments and the Law... The whole nation proceeded up to this place called Kadesh Barnea, which was the border of the promised land. They could see right into Israel, into the promised land, the land that God had promised to them. And at that time, Moses sent 12 spies into the land to scope it out. They came back and they gave their report to the children of Israel. Ten of the 12 spies gave this report. They said, the land we spied out uh, is indeed a good land. It flows with milk and honey. And look at the fruit which we found there. And the cluster of grapes was so big, two men had to carry it on a pole. But then they said, the ten of the twelve spies said, but we can't go there. The people there are giants. We were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And, And what is more, they lived... Uh, They live in walled cities, fortified cities, very large cities. Uh, We wouldn't have a chance against these people. They would devour us. And then two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, got up and they said, Listen, if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Meaning, we're, we're going to eat them up. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And so what happened, you, you know, uh, you may remember, the people of Israel picked up stones to stone Joshua and Caleb and Moses. And they cried out and they wept and they begged to be taken back to Egypt. Egypt, where they had been slaves. And so what happened? God did with them what He always does. He never forces His Word on anyone. He said, okay, you have it. Stay here in the wilderness. They did for 40 years. 40 years of complete misery. That's where unbelief will always take you. Misery. Hebrews 3.12 Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you who have an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Unbelief will rip you off. God doesn't want that. He wants to be your friend. But listen, you'll never come to know Him as your friend until you obey His Word. So 40 years later, they know what unbelief tasted like. They knew that it tasted like misery. They had had enough of the life that unbelief brought. And and so 40 years later, they're standing before the walls of Jericho. Clearly an impossible task, but God is telling them to take it. He's telling them to take it. And you don't have to turn with me, but in in Joshua chapter uh, 6, it says that the Lord said to Joshua, who was leading the Israelites before Jericho, he says, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days." But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall uh, blow their trumpets and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the walls of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up and every man before him. And Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, you shall, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say, Shout. And brothers and sisters, uh, this is what the Lord wants us to do. This is what a life of faith is all about. It is keeping our mouths shut. We hear the Word of God and all of a sudden we want to open our mouths and say, but this, but that, but this, but him, but her, but look at this, but look at that. No, the Lord says, keep your mouths shut until I say shout, until I say do, until I say go. How many battles of life have I lost because I opened up my mouth Keep it shut, Steve, the Lord says. And that's what they did. And God will bring you to these places where He tells you to to do something that is just impossible. What? March around this fortified city for six, seven days, and that's going to make the walls go flat? You must be kidding me! They're going to mock us. They're going to laugh at us. That makes... who... What military book is teaching that? The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. In that path, brothers and sisters, oftentimes makes no sense. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. And one of the places that faith wants to take you is to the place where you're a friend of God. And I hear all the time people talking and referring to God as their friend. But they're disobeying God in virtually every single area of their life. What kind of f- person treats a friend like that? The Bible says a friend loves at all times. God wants to make you into a friend. You are His workmanship. He is the builder. He wants to you, build you up into uh, to be a friend. You only get there by faith, by simply obeying the Word of God. By faith, Obeying the word of God. By faith, obeying the word of God. By faith, obeying the word of God until, you know, finally you realize, wow, the Lord is always true to his word. You know, verse 30 again says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days again. What happens to the heart of those men and women after that happened? It's like, again, wow. God's my friend. He's not up there with a hammer waiting to bop me on the head with. He's not a control freak who just has this sort of thing to to try to make me miserable and and, and make me live this impossible life. God, God, He's my friend. He, He leads me through all this stuff. It doesn't happen overnight. Moses started off What? Hiding his face from God. And fearing. A better word, that he was scared. He was scared and hiding his uh, face from God. But in the beginning, he protested, he protested, and he protested again. After a while, he stopped protesting. And and i got to tell you, I'm getting near to that place in my life. I, I, I don't I don't argue anymore because I know what's going to happen if I try to do things my way. And that's miserable and it's painful and there's just sorrow there. And I know God's my friend. And, you know, I, I, I have a long way to go before Exodus 33 where it says, Moses uh, talked face to face to, to God as with a friend. But, you know, the Lord wants to bring every one of you to that place. it just makes no sense anymore to do anything but trust in His Word and walk with Him. God wants you as a friend. He wants you to see Him as a friend. Jesus, the Bible says, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world it says in Philippians chapter 2 that he did not consider equality with the Father something to be held on to. He came to earth, made himself nothing, appeared as a man. And what did he say? He said, you've called me Lord, now I want you to call me friend. And how is, how is it that they were able to do that, to call him friend? Because he, they came to know after three years ministering with him, he, was, he always honored his word. Every time He honored His Word. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to come to that place where you see Him as friend. Let's pray. Worship team, come on. Father, we love You. And Lord, we hear so much this word about faith. And Sometimes we don't realize that a big part about the life of faith is to simply to make us friends. To make You a friend. To trust You like a friend. Your Word says a friend loves at all times, Lord. And indeed, You are like that. But many of us, Lord, our fear, our, our feelings, our unbelief. And our very limited understanding, Lord, our, our self-centered life, which we live in a bubble, we 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 don't understand that that you're a friend that loves at all times. And Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that even as you lead. The men, the women, the children sitting here this morning, Lord, gathering here, seeking you, that even, even as you lead them to an impossible situation, Lord, by grace, speak to them. This is their Jericho. It's for their encouragement, not for their discouragement. And I pray this morning for anyone in here, Lord, in uh, an impossible situation, financial er- situation, a Relationship, a situation at their work, a ministry that you've uh, called them to do, which just seems impossible to accomplish. Father, give them the grace to stand still, to to be silent, to keep their mouth, our mouths, shut before that impossible thing to wait upon You until You say, shout, until You say, go. And Lord, we just thank You that You love us so much that You want us to call You friend. You're our Lord, You're our Master, and You're our friend. We love You and need You. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please rise. I'm going to close with a worship song.
1: you all. Have a wonderful day. There's people up front who can pray for you if anyone needs prayer.